0: me to Romans chapter 8 once again. Romans in the 8th chapter. I want to continue in our study here of the spirit life and the delights of the spirit life this afternoon. We want to look at that now, if uh, you can imagine with me, and you may or may not uh, have to imagine too hard—it depends on what kind of family you grew up in—but if you were born into a family that was poverty-stricken, some of you think, "Well, I was—we were really poor," you know, we didn't have much, and that may be true. But sometimes our ideas of what is poor uh, isn't really with reality because there are some people that are really more a lot poorer than we are. But if you can imagine being really in a family of poverty, a family that was dysfunctional, you said that was my family, uh, a family that was doomed, a family that with no hope and prospects for the future, a family that was dying and that didn't even care for you. And I'm sorry if that was your experience, I, uh, but uh, if you could imagine that. And then comes along a kind, gentle, wealthy person, a man, maybe, that tells you that he loves you and offers you to take you in as his own child. This man offers you everything your natural family would never give you, and he offers to you that free of charge. And all you have to do is come with him and consent to be his child. Now, that may sound a little far-fetched, but uh, that's exactly, though, what happened to every person who placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is our, a picture of our lives. We're poor, we're dysfunctional, dysfunctional, we're doomed, we have no hope. And then came Jesus. And Paul here moves deeper into this 8th chapter of the book of Romans. He's continuing to illustrate the superiority of the spirit life. He's already spoken of the deliverance of the spirit life. We've already talked about the differences of the spirit life. And now in these verses here, in verses eight or fourteen through seventeen, he speaks of the delights of the spirit life. He tells us that every saved person has been brought into the family of God and enjoys all the rights and privileges of natural born children. So notice, first of all, the delight of our adoption. The delight of our adoption. And we start in verse 14, and we see here we have a new family. A new family. And when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, hey, let's try the book of Romans instead of the book of Acts, okay? I've been sick. I told you I've been sick. You have to excuse my, you know, it's, this is a tough thing here to get. Oriented. Romans chapter eight, verse fourteen. For as many are, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There we go. According to Paul, when we believe, we became the sons of God. That is, we were removed from the family of Adam, and were transplanted into the family of God. We literally became His children. First John. He is pure. John's verses here tell us that we're his children now, right now. We don't have to wait someday become his children, but we're his right now. And one day, though, we will be just like our new father. But you notice here in verse 14 of the book of Romans, uh, Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, What this means is those who are in the family begin to act like the family. You know, there are certain people in this church who kind of sound and act like their parents. Uh, you say, that's frightful. Sometimes, and someone told me this morning, I said, uh, you know, uh, when the girls were up here, there's one that looks like my wife and there's one that looks like me. Uh, well, uh, Glad they look like one of us, anyway. <laughs> Sometimes when my girls are on the phone, this happened just the other day, and I, you know, was hearing one of my girls talk to my wife, uh, and I could just kind of hear her voice, uh, you know. I wasn't really on the phone with uh, them, but I could hear, I, could, I was trying to guess which one it was. You know, it sounded like Jennifer, it sounded like Jessica, it sounded like Anna uh becca's not doesn't quite have the same sound, but uh we always accused her of being she's not here to defend herself being adopted but uh, uh that's not bad because we're gonna talk about that too, but they kind of sound like each other one day uh someone came to our house when our children were small, and uh children were always sitting there in the living room, and uh, this person came in the door and said. They all have the same face. <laughs> Meaning they all looked alike. You know, and when we uh, visit some of our daughters uh, and go to church where they attend, someone will inevitably come up to my wife and say, oh, you must be Jennifer's mother or you must be Jessica's mother. We know who's who you belong to or who they belong to. Well, it's because our daughters look like their mother. Now, if you want to see what I look like when I was in my early 20s, all you have to do is look at my son, or I can look at this picture here. That's what, uh, uh, I don't know if that was early 20s or late 20s. Late 20s. We didn't have five children in my early 20s. (laughs) We would have gotten married really early, right? We got married probably too early, but anyway, that's another subject. You know the whole the same thing holds true of the believer uh, you know those four boys that were here this morning you can tell that they're brothers, can't you? They look just like their dad we give we uh joke about that because Luke's not here, but uh, those boys are adopted, but we always joke about how they look like Luke, but they all look alike. They have the same characteristics and they, and uh, uh, you, can, you can see how people's families uh, people and families resemble one another. and the same holds true of a believer. If a person is saved, they're going to develop some traits that are like the father's family. The primary trait being that they will be led by the Spirit of God. you see every child of God has the Holy Spirit living within them. You look back to verse 9, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Spirit is in residence. He'll make his presence known. By the way, this is a tremendous uh, means of gaining assurance of Salvation. You see, God's children are led by the Spirit. Does the Spirit of God ever lead you to do anything? Well, if He doesn't lead you to do something, you better check up about whether you're in the family. So we have a new family. We also have a new father. Verse 15. For ye have not received the Spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Tells us that we've been delivered from the bondage of fear, that we've been adopted into the family of God, and in our society, adopted children often feel or can be perceived to be 2nd Class members of the family or something. Uh, That's sad, but true for many. Uh, But we don't feel like those four little boys are second class to us. We love them as if they were born right into our family. Because we've adopted them. My daughter and her husband have adopted them, and we as grandparents have adopted them too. Maybe not legally, but we sure, they hold a very close uh, part in our hearts. And uh, sometimes, sadly, adopted children are reminded of the fact that they are not born into that adopted family. And yet, in ancient Rome, things were vastly different because an adoption was considered a great privilege. The word adoption uh, means to place as a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. Again, in the ancient world, the family was based on a Roman law called Petria potestas meaning the father's power and the law gave the father absolute authority over his children so long as the father lived he could work and slave sell and if he wished he could pronounce the death penalty and as a result of the child's adult age the, the father held all power over personal and property rights and so adoption was a serious matter Yet it was commonplace or common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct by having no male children. And when a child was adopted, there were three legal steps that were taken. Number one, the adoption was made permanent. The adopted son was uh, adopted permanently. Could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. He couldn't become a, a, a son today and then say, you're not a son tomorrow. He became a son of the father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. <coughs> adoption was also immediate. The adopted son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son in the new family. And then thirdly, adoption was complete. The adopted son completely lost all rights to his old family the adopted sons were looked upon as a new person and so new that the old debts the old obligations connected with his former family would be canceled out abolished as if they had never existed and so it is when we come to jesus we're taken out of adam adopted into jesus we have a new father So we have a new family, we have a new father, we have a new freedom. Again, we see this in verses 14 and 15. These verses tell us that as children of God, we've been delivered from the power and influence of the flesh. We're no longer led about by Satan and the whims of the flesh. Now we're led by the Spirit of God. Not only have we been delivered out of our old Leadership, we've been delivered from the life of fear that we used to have when we were in our old family. And in Jesus, we've, we're bought into a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. A relationship so close that we're permitted as to address address Him as Abba. Notice in verse 15, Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There's not the spirit of fear within you wondering if about your spiritual condition, uh, being unhappy and despondent. Instead, you're filled with joy because you're his child, and the spirit of God wells up in within you saying, Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic word that was not translated here. They didn't translate, just put it right in directly. It's Uh, said that the translators who had great reverence for the Word of God, they believed it was indeed the Word of God, but they would not translate this word. Abba is a very personal word that would be translated, if we did translate it, my daddy. We don't use that word daddy in reference to God because of the danger of becoming overly familiar with him and being disrespectful. But it does express a heart cry, especially in times of trouble. You know, I don't know, you know, I really can't remember my children calling me daddy. Well, you didn't call me daddy. But I can remember them calling me dad. You know, when something was wrong, something was happening, I'd hear that word Dad. Maybe they were alone in the dark, or they became afraid. And if you have older children, and they've called you on the phone, they said, Dad, I need some money. Or maybe they called and said, Dad, you know how you let me drive your car? Well, it's got a problem. Now, For many years now, my dad's no longer been available for me (laughs) when that happens. But you know, my heavenly father's always available. No, we don't call God daddy, but we might call him dear father. And we might say, I need your help desperately because we do find ourselves in need sometimes. And we call out to our father in heaven. The idea is that we are brought into such an intimate relationship with God that we assume the place of small children who lift up their voices to God as hurting, helpless children who will cry out to their Father. It's the idea of intimacy and dependence, complete lack of fear. Of course, there's respect and there's reverence, but there is a sense that our Father will not harm us, that he loved us enough to die for us, and he certainly cared for us as we walk with him. So there's the delight of our adoption. Secondly, there's the delight of our assurance. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not only have we been adopted into the family of God, but we've been given the priceless assurance of the fact in our hearts day by day. You notice our communion with the Spirit here, our communion with the Spirit. The child of God has a blessed communion with the Holy Spirit of God. It was this relationship that was predicted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in John 14 and verse 16. He said, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He goes on to say, even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it receiveth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The Spirit of God spends time with the redeemed, and this is a truth that the saint of God must not take for granted. It leads us and teaches us all we need to know about how to live for the glory of God, in this world. So we see our communion in the Spirit. We also see our confidence in the Spirit. The Spirit of God has fellowship with those who are saved by grace, and one of the surest way you can know that you've been born again, if you are genuinely saved, you will know it because the Spirit of God will hold communion with you. He'll speak to your heart. He'll tell you things no, not in an audible voice, but he'll guide you. He'll, he'll warn you. He'll lead you. He'll feed you. He'll comfort you. He'll teach you the truth. If the Spirit of God never speaks to your heart, then you need to examine yourselves. It may be that you've never really been saved. Like a mother who wraps her arms around the secure child, insecure child every day, we know that our confidence is in the Spirit. Our confidence is in the Spirit. And expresses, as the mother expresses her undying love, the Spirit of God does the same for the redeemed child of the Lord. He's our the lover of our soul. We have communion in the Spirit. We have confidence in the Spirit. And so you have... Then, thirdly, the delight of our affluence. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Not only are we adopted into the family and assured of the fact that every day of our lives we are also wealthy beyond measure, Notice what this verse teaches us concerning our new standing. Notice our privilege. Verse teaches us that we are heirs of God. May I remind you that our Heavenly Father is wealthy beyond measure. The Bible teaches this truth. Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the field, forest is mine. The cattle upon a thousand hills, I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. We have the privilege of sharing in that vast wealth. And then there's Philippians 4.19, which means so much to many of us. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's able to meet our needs, no matter how great they may appear, and what He has belongs to us, even right now. Luke twelve thirty two. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sometimes uh, I don't know if we don't sing this song. I don't know if it's in our hymn books. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full as he is riches untold. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king with my Jesus, my savior. I'm a child of the king. One of the verses in that song says, I once was an outcast stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir to the mansion, a robe, and a crown. What a wonderful privilege. Not only a privilege, but our portion. Not only are we heirs of God, but we're made joint heirs with Jesus. Those really, we've been given equal share in the wealth of our father. Under Jewish law, the eldest son would be given a double portion of his father's wealth. However, under Roman law, all sons were we treated equally. When I think about that, it uh, it isn't the idea of getting things that amazes me. Here, I'm amazed that I come to understand that I've been placed on the same footing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't understand, misunderstand me, but uh, uh, you and I are saved. That are saved have been declared to be sons of God, and we're given the same standing before God as the Son Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we will never be him, but we have been made like him in the Father's eyes. That's a wonderful truth. And then there's our promise. As we pass through this life, we'll go through difficult times, we all do, and we'll face many trials. The words, if so be that ye suffer with him. That speaks here of... In verse uh, 17, if so be that we suffer with him, speaks of the fact that we will suffer. If so be means since we will. We will suffer. There will be times when we'll feel God has forsaken us, not meeting our needs. But we need to remember that we're pilgrims and strangers. In this present world, the fullness of our inheritance will not be realized until we get arrive at home to our Father's house. And when we get to heaven, and we'll see just how rich we really are. One look around, and uh, we'll be even more amazed than we are now. But there's no comparison between what we have in the Spirit and what we've endured in the flesh. God has encouraged my heart the fact, with the fact that he, uh, I am his child. Again, as I look at this passage, there may be those here this afternoon who may be struggling with a matter, insu- uh, uh, matter of assurance. And if that be the case, the Holy Spirit can help you get your sonship settled. Others may be dealing with needs in their lives. Well, you can go to the one who owns you and owns everything on this earth, and you can know that he'll meet your needs. Now, you know, we're a blessed people, and we need to be grateful for what God has given to us. Whatever the need of your heart is, I trust you'll put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and find assurance, great assurance, through this brief passage this afternoon. Let's pray.